The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. And I'm very grateful that you made some time today to come on the show and talk. I was really taken aback by your story and just you and your gratitude and kindness and just overall vibe. And I try to always remind people out there, you know, that they should just be grateful for everything good that is coming because things could always be a lot worse and when you were backstage in the green room of StreamYard, you know, I, I didn't even know what that Monday night was going to be. I just thought it was women empowerment night. And and the, the CEO was like, oh, do you want to host this? And I was like, sure. I had she and I had no idea at all. Like what was uh, can I say your name? I can. Right. Sure. OK. I had no idea like your story or what was going to happen. And it really like blew me away just because I would have liked to have prepared for that a little bit. But I guess sometimes it's better to just dive in and figure out what's going on as you as you go along. So to bring people up to speed, I just want to talk about your story and what happened. But then a lot of times people, um, when they're shocked, they don't ask questions because they're afraid or they don't want to offend you. Or and I, I think I already have a decent enough rapport with you that... We can ask some questions that probably would be on somebody's mind. And then that is so that people, and there's guys out out there that are listening to this that have been in some massive domestic abuse situations so that people can identify and hear and maybe before things get to the point that they did with you, that they can do something about it. And more questions need to be asked and more conversations need to be had, but Anything with domestic violence, human trafficking, child abuse, that's just some unsexy stuff that nobody ever wants to talk about. Sure. I do. I do. So let's tell what you can of your story, and then we'll we'll let everybody know that you do have some um, things that you're working through with your mouth and your speech because of what happened to you, which I didn't know backstage. I was like, dang, I wonder what's wrong with her. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't know. And then you then you told the story and I was like, I'm I'm a jerk. You know, I, I did. You know, you don't you don't know. And and it's it's something, too, that people need to not be. So I wasn't judgmental on you, but I didn't think, oh, maybe she's got an injury or, you know, when I when I should have the kind thing to do would have just taken a moment and tried to figure out all options. So tell us what happened to you. And it's 2017 that it happened, right? Correct. It was November 25th, 2017. And first off, I want to say that you are not a drug. Oh, um, girl, you don't know me. <laughs> because if you don't know, you don't know. And without me telling it, you wouldn't know just by my appearance. Most people will see me probably in the elevator at a doctor's office and think, she was in a car wreck. I've had that happen several times. I'm glad you survived your wreck. And I'm looking at him like, 
Well, to be honest, the truth is I was shot and their mouth opens wide. Like they're they're shocked beyond nature. Because for one thing, I'm still alive. Most people, like I said, I was shot in the face. Most people get shot in the face one time and die. Most people can get shot in the leg and die. I was shot twice in my arm, my left arm, once in my chest, once in my right arm, and twice in my face. And I survived. And I have God and my child to thank for that as well as the surgeons because those surgeons did a miracle because I don't look like what I've gone through. Like I said before, I don't look like what I've been through. So yes, it's hard for me to speak right now. Um, we had to do this podcast and I agreed to do it no problem, but my mouth is hurting. However, I'm willing to risk that pain to save a life. We won't keep you that long today, but this is just so, it's just so important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people will say, and I touched when we did the Los Angeles Tribune live stream, what, what happened like before that? Because so many times people will blame the, the, the victim. Mm -hmm. I I was blamed by the other party. I was blamed by the other party. Like, I was told that I was cheating, which I wasn't. It was multiple excuses. It's still multiple excuses. Let me back you up to 2003 when I first got hit when I was pregnant with my child. And the severity of the situation it was consistent i was getting hit on in front of people and it was okay like of course this is um extensions for example the one the main thing my abuser went for was for my face and for my hair and at one point in time he pulled out my hair and you know how for example in la They'll put a shoe, uh, they'll put shoes on top of a wire in memory of, he put my hair on top of a, on top of an electrical wire. Yeah. Sounds like a really great guy. We was at a concert and I got beat at the concert, not even in the concert. We wasn't even together. He was actually with um, a family member of mine. <laughs> we broke up, but because I was the mother of his kid and he took my my license and shredded it. And I just wanted my license back and he proceeded to hit me there. I mean, I, I've been choked out to the point to where I passed out. I This is from where my head was busted with a salt shaker. Like, I've been through a lot of traumatic experiences with this man, but like I told you in the other interview, I stayed in a relationship because of various reasons. 
some reasons was because of my traumatic childhood past. And I won't go into that right now. Some other reasons was because of my children. My father passed away when I was 10 years old. I was in a foster home the majority of my life until my father passed away. My father passed away, he gained custody of me and had a car wreck. I was in the living room listening to LL Cool J, Mr. Goodbar. That's back, back, back in the day. I know who LL Cool J is. Don't even get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> and I received a phone call that my father had passed away. So I'm here sitting with my bags packed, waiting on my dad to come pick me up. And no one shows up. He's not there. So at 14, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. And here comes this this 17-year-old boy at that time. And I didn't know him. I knew all of his father's side of the family. And they were good people to me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know him. And he he was consistent. When I tell you that man chased me down, which he was a boy then, he chased me down. And I fell in love with him. And in the midst of falling in love with him, I get pregnant at the age of 16. Okay. I didn't know that from the other interview. Mm-hmm. I get pregnant at the age of 16 before I even turned 17, which was May the 7th, which is my birthday. I was hit. I was hit by him. And that abuse, that one strike, and I forgave him that one time led to consistent abuse. And it got worse and he made me feel horrible it it, I was to the point to where I couldn't be around my family like I was my family was moved like I would choose him over my family I didn't want to tell my family of course they find out They, they find out Bust the lip, black eye, bloody nose. Let's, let's talk about oh, Sheena. Why didn't you want to tell your family? Because I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like, because you were afraid, you were embarrassed. Like, what? For what one was- thing, my grandmother, she took me in. Okay, my grandmother raised me. Um, after I got out, out of the foster care, um, my grandmother raised me. And I didn't want to tell my grandmother because my grandmother had already told me off the top not to talk to him. They, like she, it was domestic violence already inside of my family household. Mm-hmm. So she could sense it. But me being defiant and being disobedient and thinking that love, okay, no, granny, this love, I went against it. And I was embarrassed. Okay. I was hurt 
because she was right and I was wrong. Um, another thing is during my times, I had a lot of other people that were getting abused as well. And they stayed with their men. So, like I had a cousin, we had matching black eyes one time. And she stayed with her man. And they were much older than me. What would you... Okay, so you were afraid to tell your grandmother because you were ashamed and you didn't want it. And I told you so coming in. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time and, and after the first time you got hit, what would you like to see happen? Because it doesn't sound like your other family or friends were supportive. It sounds like they were almost like misery loves company. Mm-hmm. So if a friend were to have tried to help, if somebody were to have stepped in, do you think you even would have listened or... What what could have happened differently back then? Um, like I told you in the last interview, I did have one best friend that tried to step in. However, it was the point of I had to let go. I was in love with this man, like to the point of where I didn't love myself. I loved him more. Isn't that interesting? Like I've been in some, a couple of very bad relationships and one got physical. And that one time I didn't forgive. I was gone because I'd had one before that was psychological and mental and narcissistic and very, very abusive that way, which you should never try to compare somebody's pain like, oh, mine was worse or hers was worse or whatever. Everybody has their own pain that they they deal with. But this guy was so, so sick. And I mean, people listening look at me as Miss Strong, Strength, you know, wrestling chick. And, you know, when you do come from a past history of trauma or abuse or things that have happened in your family and there's a certain... I want to do this right, or I'm going to stick this out, or I don't want to be a failure. Or I can, I can do this. I can fix it. I can change it. And it's almost like if you leave or think of leaving, it's like defeat almost subconsciously. But, but see, my great grandparents were married for 76 years. Yeah. And mind you, like I said, I was raised by my grandmother. My great-grandparents live next door. So, I get to visualize what a real married couple look like. And we broke up. We broke up for three years. He went to the feds for something that I had nothing to do with. We was not together at that point in time. When he came back out, me thinking he's a changed man. He wasn't. He was still cheating. He was still lying. He was still hitting. My mother died August the 20th of 2012. He broke my window. 
and the glass cut my face the night of August the 20th of 2012 because he got drunk and I wanted to leave. So you were trying to leave for how many years? I don't know how long I was trying to leave. A long time. Yeah. So they and I'm going to say they because it was not only him it was some more family members of his. They 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 acted upon my faith because I had faith in God. I believe in God fully. They they I mean when I can name so many things that they acted upon to try to keep us together, which did it worked. It worked until I got tired. Even up to my the day before my we had premarital canceling. We had all of that. Really? Yes. He lied to the preacher. I didn't find that out until the day. I can't even say the day after my wedding, but I didn't find that out until I was pregnant with my son that he lied to the preacher because we had to have a paternity test on a little girl. Did it take this accident that happened for you to leave or were you already trying to leave before that? No, I was trying to leave before that. Okay. Like I said um, in the last interview, I was silently making moves, like trying to conduct a plan, but my plan wasn't working at that point in time. I went and I tried to get a lawyer. Lawyer retainer fee was $5,000. That was only the retainer fee. I was trying to do everything in the world to leave. And when it came to the point to where I didn't care anymore, he sensed it. Because that's when the tears stopped. That's when the caring stopped. I would go to work for 16 hours, go to my child's game or my kid's game, leave the game, Go back to work and not clock in to avoid going home. Wow. The part about making your move, that's something that a lot of people don't consider, take into consideration, think about that you're a mom with three kids. How many kids at this time? Three. I have three. I have one deceased and the one that's deceased, he also blamed on me. That was a way of controlling me. Mind you, my daughter dies from SIDS. Yeah. Well, that's not your... Yeah. This guy. Oh, this guy. People aren't thinking about the plan. And on the last live stream, which I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about because 
again, you don't really understand it. Like you're being hurt and you're trying to think of an exit plan, but like an exit strategy on any strategy, whether it's investment or domestic violence, an exit strategy, first off, it's hard to even think with a clear mind because you're in a state of disarray and panic. But let's talk about what are the things that you tried, what didn't work, what did work, what can we do? Um, Trust Destiny was talking about making copies. And I blindly asked of, of what, like, I, I mean, everybody's not in their heads, but I don't think people really know, like, because they're not in something where somebody grabs their driver's license or their credit cards and shreds them or cuts them up. So what are you making copies of? And let's talk about that exit plan. I'm going to get into this deep. And when I say deep, I mean deep. Um, some of the stuff I can't say, like I said, because I still have court sure. and all of this going on. Sure, whatever you can I'm, I'm really going to get into this deep. Um, one of the things I can speak on is because he is incarcerated right now because of he was violating his um, order of protection. Mind you, they did not put an order of protection on me. Yeah, girl, I mean, what the, what the hell? Like, you were shot six times. I put an order of protection on myself in 2019. So, back that up to 2017. This man had every access to me. So, when I was in the hospital, this is where my plan came into effect. Nobody knew that. This is why I say let nobody know your plan. You might have to burn bridges. And I burned a lot of bridges. A lot of people disliked me. A lot of people thought that I was back with him, but that wasn't the case. And I had every single piece of paperwork. This is where the copies come in. Every single piece of evidence to back it up. And that's why he's incarcerated now. So, he made bond. He had how, a, how do you make bond when you shoot somebody in the face? I don't like. I don't understand. A, I don't a, understand this. Like he had a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond. He made bond. People are saying they said that I made it for him. That is false. I even went to Facebook and clarified that. And he even went to Facebook and clarified that. That was false. Um, I can't say who made bond for him, but I would not like to say that because I still have a case going on. And um, when they actually dig deep into it, they know something's wrong. Um... He's in jail. He's in jail for shooting you, though, right? Right now, no. No, but it, no. Originally, when yeah. I just didn't think yeah. you can get bond when you've shot somebody. Yeah, yeah. You 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 can go shoot your spouse and go to jail and then get out. Yeah. Okay. I again, I'm a daughter of a probation officer, and I didn't I didn't know that. So now, you if he's if if he's out of jail, then I have to have a plan. But even in jail, because I knew he was going to get out, I have to have a plan. So, the whole time he's contacting me, I'm saving messages. 
I'm saving messages. I even have a picture of him in jail. I screenshot in the hospital. I'm saving messages. Um, and I, this is before I had my iPhone. I had an Android. I could screen record. So when he would call me, I would screen record. I would screen record. And at that point in time, when he first got out, he wasn't just he wasn't threatening me yet. He was threatening people around me. So I had to, it was my duty to make sure everybody was safe. That's where my plan came in. I'm saving. I'm screen recording. I'm saving. I'm screen recording. I don't mind saying it now because it's out there. He's in jail for it. He's, he broke into my house one night. He was standing up over me and I woke up and I just panicked. He's like, don't call the police, don't call the police. I'll leave right now. The state trooper stopped us at three something in the morning. And I had to play it off cool because I was scared to death. This man just shot me six times. When you went in the state Trooper stopped you. Where did he convince you to go, or where were you going? Taking him to wherever. What did I, I think I took him to his sister's house or his auntie's house that works for the sheriff's department. That's the clerk. That's so in he, control of everything. So he's out of jail. He comes to you for a ride because he doesn't have a car. I lived so many miles outside of the city limit. Does he threaten you and say, you got to take me someplace? Or At that point in time, there was no threats towards me. It was towards the people around me. Okay. When the threats start happening towards me was when he seen the divorce papers visually. When he seen those visually, that's when those start coming back towards me. Doesn't he think if he shoots you six times that you might want a divorce? In his mind, faith was going to bring us through. Okay. Faith was going to, because like I said, this, and that's, that's the, that's the narcissistic part. Okay. That's the part. Once he got out of jail, you're shot. You're still like going to medical treatments and all of these doctor appointments. Where is he living? With his sister. Okay. Then so he's at a house. He's not supposed to be seeing you, probably, but he is. Oh no, he could see me. They did not have an order of protection on me. So you applied two years later on your own because. It was continued. I had to. Oh, I get it. I just, I, it just doesn't seem like anything's working in your favor. It seems like it's working in his. Let me let you know something. When your mother's sister is the clerk of the sheriff's department, 
that you go through, a lot of stuff works in your favor. Yeah, there's definitely some dirty stuff that goes down. I've I've heard it many different times, many different skin types, many different backgrounds, creeds, everything. Like I've heard a lot of stuff and that is just so unfortunate. You're screenshotting, you're collecting data, you get your order of protection. Mm-hmm. Then what ha- that's 2019, it's 2021. What happened between that? He continued to violate the order of protection. Continued. We continued to go to court some kind of way. Somebody was canceling him and it continued to get set off and set off and set off to the point to where I finally caught him because he called from his sister's phone and I had phone records. I had an iPhone then. So you could actually go into my iPhone and stream the number. So I had all those records. And his sister's testimony didn't help at all. And the witness that he that they tried to get didn't show up. And he finally went to jail. And even after that, he was still violated. So he finally went to jail, not for shooting you, but for some other technicality? He went to jail for the order violation of order of protection. That is what he is in jail for right now. And he still violated his order of protections while in jail on me and my children. How are we, you? Go ahead. My bad. I interrupted. And we are still fighting. I just don't understand why somebody doesn't just go to prison for shooting you. Not only that, he won't sign the divorce papers. That's another way to control me. Let me back up. The reason why I was shot was because I was leaving. I wanted a divorce. Oh, God. Oh now, my- here it is, 2021. And you still won't sign the divorce papers. You wrote the judge several times. It's several judges you wrote. First, it was, um, I forget what he told him. Oh, that I wasn't a resident of where I am now. Well, we got married, so we couldn't do it there. Then the other judge wouldn't do it because he had rights too, and he had rights to an attorney, and because he wasn't convicted yet, he couldn't get an attorney because he was in jail. Now he wrote the next judge and told them that my lawyer is trying to, what's the word he used? Basically, my lawyer didn't even mention me. My lawyer is lying on him. Everything that is said is made up. Can you write the judge and say you want a divorce? What can you do? What can what power my lawyer, do you exercise? My lawyer is doing everything in his right as possible. So, like we just we go back to court now. Whenever it's it has to sit for a certain amount of months or I, I think it's three months, I think. And then we'll go to court on it. Now, 
Um, but now the same judge that has my criminal case also has my divorce case. So he's familiar with it. So hopefully I get my divorce. If not, I'll have to wait until he is in prison. Will your case of you getting shot go to, to go to trial? It'll go to trial only if he doesn't take a plea. Only if they don't offer him a plea. Document. Make copies of things. We talked about that. Make copies of what? You want to make copies of everything. You want to make copies of your birth certificates, your driver's license, your your kids' birth certificates. If your kids are driving, their driver's license, uh, social security cards. Uh, you want to make copies of everything that the court gives you. Because it's been several times all my documents have got lost in the court. Really? Or if their relative happens to be the clerk of the sheriff, I can assume. What did you not know now, then, that you know now about this process? I didn't know that getting a divorce would be this hard. Especially after I get shot. I didn't know that it's not about what you know it's about who you know in the system because it really is sometimes justice is on your side and sometimes it's not i know i have to be patient and i have to trust god because i know god is on my side There is an organization, there's the Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-SAFE. It's 1-800-799-SAFE. There's also the hotline.org, where if you type that in your browser, the first thing that you see is a huge red flag, which basically says you need to know if you visit this website that it will be in your browser history and in your cache and that um, you need to clear that. You need to clear your cookies. You need to clear, clear your cache so that if somebody happens to get on there and sees that you are, you know, trying to leave, trying to do the exit plan, that you clear that. Uh, there's also uh, leave this site safely, which is a window, a pop-up window that stays off to your right um, with an exit button so that if somebody were to walk up behind you while you are doing research to get help that you can exit quickly and um, safely, but you still need to clear the cache. The other one is the YWCA that we talked about last time, which is an incredible organization that helps not only women, but men with domestic violence. It also helps provide continued education with your GED. So if that's something that you need to further your education to get a job, they have funding to help with that. They offer safe housing, safe places. I've worked with them for years. So if you are listening and you are afraid of your life or of your family's life or your kids, 
just any kind of fear that there is help out there. And these are incredible organizations that really are there to help. I mean, they, they care. Like I know the YWCA um, very, very well. What can we do for the people that are listening that are in a bad situation? Like what can you tell them? What I can tell people that are in a situation that are going through what I'm, what I have, I don't want to say what I have gone through because what I went through before this is to conduct a plan to love yourself enough to leave. Don't tell a soul because this soul might tell a soul mm-hmm. and that person, whether it's a male or a female, may find out and it may be bad. So love yourself enough. If you have children, love your children enough. Think about them. Because we are building a generation of success, not a generation of failure. We don't want to see our seeds fail. We want to see our seeds grow. That's beautiful. And it is so important that people listen to your story and realize what happened to you up until you were 14, 15, 16, to have compassion and love and understanding for people that are in situations other than yours. It's so easy to stand back and say, well, if I was, if I was there, I would do this or this is what would happen. And you don't know if it hasn't happened to you and you don't know if you haven't been in that dynamic. And like I said, I, I hear it all the time. I hear that all the time. Well, if I would, if that was me, you don't know what you would do if it no. was you. Because you don't know what to do. No, it's different. I remember when I was 16 or 17 years old, I did a lot of commercials. So I was always going to auditions. And I remember in my little car, I had a big uh, prairie type dress on. So hoop skirt, real thick. And I got in the car and I left the audition, but I couldn't drive in it. So I pulled over to a Target in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'll never forget it. I pulled over and I went to the back of the parking lot where there were no car- cars. And I thought, I'll just get out of this dress and, and put something else on so that I can drive safely. This thing is just massively obtrusive. I had my door open to get the skirt off. It was huge. And as I was like in my underwear and like my bra, this guy just opened up the door and put a knife to my throat. And I, I was shocked. And I said, like, I mean, I was just like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? I'm changing. I was pissed. You know, and he's like, yeah, and I'm going to watch. And he like, and I, I just remember like thinking like, I want to kick his ass or I want to, and 
I was so frozen. Me, you know, I'm a professional fighter. I was so frozen and so paralyzed that I couldn't even think to get the keys to the car into the ignition. I, I, I was just like so... And then something snapped, thank God, where I pushed him, grabbed the keys, put him in the ignition, turned it out. It was a manual, so pushed the clutch in and started to drive as his arm like was ripping off of the car as I'm screeching off and my dress is falling out and ripping. And But I remember thinking at that moment in time, you don't know what you're going to do. You think you're going to act like some big superhero and save the day when there's some crazy situation out there whether it be your own personally or something that you see, but, but you freeze and it's very paralyzing when you're in something of any sort of abuse, because it's so easy to blame yourself or to self-reflect and think it's something that you did, or you could have done better, or it doesn't help when you've got somebody blaming you for a child's death or there's just so much in there. So I guess if we're to take anything home from this, cause we're going to close and I respect your time. Uh, it's to have compassion and to recognize when you see things going on and don't be afraid to ask a gentle question or to, I wouldn't say interfere, maybe intervene is a better word. Do it discreetly, do it with kindness, do it discreetly and see what you can do and make sure that they know that there are resources out there. And if there's any way that you can quietly lend a hand without putting yourself in danger or the person going through the trauma, do it like I have. You know, there needs to be more people that step in and, and try to do something. And the best thing that you said is don't tell a soul because a soul might tell a soul, you know? So if, if you see something or you hear something or something isn't right, you don't need to tell anybody about it. Approach the person when they are in a safe environment, clearly not in the car with their abuser or, you know, just figure out a time when you can when you can ask them what's up and if, if you can help. Let's see. And you, you also asked about as far as my mouth and all that is concerned. I'm still going through surgeries. I still have three bullets in me. Um, I think we spoke about that. I have one by my heart. Um, my cardiologist is not letting me go along with the Initial surgery as of right now, which is debulking my flap. Um, and as you can see, those teeth are shot out. I have a tooth over here that's shot out. This tooth I'm not too much worried about. It affects my speech. It affects my eating. Um, I don't have a full tongue. Um, but I can still speak. <laughs> um... My surgery this time, I won't have to pay for it. My insurance pay for it. I was going to ask you, who's paying for all this? The surgery next time, I do have to pay for it. And I don't know. I'm going to try to figure out how I'm going to come up with that. Um, it's, I say, Sheena speaks. Sheena speaks life. I capitalized the S, the H, and the E. And that's because I'm not just speaking for myself. I'm speaking for you, Goldie. Thank you. I'm speaking for my daughters. I'm speaking for everybody 
every woman that's out there that is in this type of relationship, there's actually a he in the she. So I'm speaking for him as well. I'm speaking for every male that's out there that's in this type of relationship. I pray for the abusers because there is something that is triggering them to do this to us. It might be a childhood trauma that they focus on the negativity instead of the positivity out of it. We don't know. I don't know. And it's not my question to ask why. I've asked why so much, but I can't question God. So it's my purpose to come up with solutions to help get us out of situations. Well, you are absolutely magnificent, my dear. And thank you for sharing this with a very wide uh, audience of men that will hear it. And I appreciate you having something kind to say about the brothers at the end too. You know, I just did a post today saying that I, I get tired of the cancel culture, just making it seem that every man out there is, is bad when there's so many good ones. I can't say that I'm praying for the abuser. I'd like to kick their ass to be perfectly honest with you. Not the right solution, but I'm, I'm being honest. I'm, I've just been around it too much in my life and I don't have a lot of compassion or sympathy. I guess that's something as a Christian I need to work on. I'm always a work in progress. So you're a better person than I am, my dear, for having prayers and and something positive for them because I just, that hits home too hard with me. And you're, like I said, you're bigger, you're better, and you're beyond where I am at. But that's why we do these podcasts and we do these shows is to shed light and uh, to show compassion and hopefully uh, learn something from it. So you gave us a lot of really, really valuable information. And I hope each time that you tell your story that a little bit of something loses weight on you. I, I hope that you know that you're helping people and that it's very powerful. And like I said, that with with each time you tell your story that either you you lose stress because you know it's helping or you gain power and strength however you want to look at it that's my wish for you and usually we tell everybody where to find you at and how to follow and that's not going to happen on this podcast so for everybody listening on the realm network we so appreciate the platform that you've given us to to talk about this and to all of the uh, brand family to the Vince Russo fam. Thank you for coming along this ride in this journey with me to hear a different perspective. And to all of our patrons, I will say thank you. I won't say why until later. And you'll understand that, Sheena. But I will tell them thank you right now from me for what you did. So I'll leave it on that. Um, we always clap at the end. So why don't you just clap for yourself because you're awesome. Sweet little clappy clap. Do what you can. Let me see your paws. <laughs> little LL Cool J around the playing <laughs> in the background. Thank you so, so much. And I'll definitely let you know when this is out, my dear. Thank you so much. Goldie signing off as always. Everyone stay safe and stay golden. 
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Just doing the daily check-ins on Patreon. Wanted to wish you the greatest start to your week. Come on over to Patreon. We're doing a lot of customized love. We just want to make sure everybody's getting the attention that they need and deserve, and that's merited. We still want to come by on regular social media platforms and say thank you so much for being here, both for me and for the band. Love you, and as always, stay golden.